Welcome to Soul Via Soul, the podcast where we embark on a journey of self-love and true wellness. I'm your host, Jada, and I'm absolutely delighted to have you here with me as we dive into all things mind, body, and soul. Now, what do you say we get this thing started? Let's dive in. Sobriety has this stigma attached to it. Like, oh, you're sober because you were broken. Like you couldn't handle alcohol. What the new research is showing is that it's not necessarily the alcohol, but think about the times that you have alcohol. Is it really the alcohol that's leading to longevity or is it the connection that we have with people? Do I think that alcohol consumption caused my cancer? No, actually I don't um, because for a variety of reasons, but I don't think that it helped either. It's not so much that alcohol gives you cancer, is that alcohol is impairing your body's ability to remove toxins from your body. What would it be like and how could my life improve if I drank less than what I do? Not everybody needs to be stone cold sober. When we are connected to who we are, we are so less in need of wanting to distract us. excited to have a longtime friend with me today. Now, and I'm going to probably slip up and call you Annie Banani because that's how I know you. And <laughs> that's probably what I'll refer to you as because we've been friends for what, two decades? Something like that. It's been a while. It's been a while. I have to tell you a funny story about the Annie Banani thing. <laughs> I was on... I hopped up onto a Zoom call and for whatever reason, when I had used Zoom previously as a joke, I put instead of Andatralia, it said the big banana. <laughs> and so you can imagine I get onto this call with people I don't really know. It's a professional call and it says the big banana and they're like, I'm oh, sorry, what is your name? I'm like, what? <laughs> So I had no idea that that was there. And then I had to go in and quick change it, which was pretty funny. So you call me Annie Banani, big banana, Anna Banana. Uh, you know, you are a big banana. You are like, when I think of professional women that I look up to and admire and, and think, wow, this woman's got it all together. I think of, <laughs> I think of you because, um, because you're, you, I know you in like the world of triathlon. I think that's how we first met. Yeah. But then I learned like, you're just such an amazing professional woman. So give us a little backdrop and tell us a little bit about you. And then we'll dive into the the conversation today, which is about, um, I, I'm going to say the, the myths of happy hour, <laughs> um, <laughs> the lie we're being fed about, uh, alcohol consumption. Yeah. Um, in this country and not to, not to really like rain on anyone's parade, but there's been a lot of emerging mm -hmm. research about what really are safe limits with alcohol consumption. And there's been a lot of recent um, research that's looking at the old research and kind of scratching the heads and going, wait a second, I think we may have gotten this confused. So we'll dive into that. But um, 
tell us a little bit about your professional life and personal life or let's just let's meet Anne and find yeah, who is this you are <laughs> who is this big banana I, I know so, your parents but tell everyone uh, who you are yeah so I am a white middle-aged woman <laughs> um and uh, middle-aged meaning 54 so maybe a little bit further than middle-aged I don't know about you but I don't plan to live to be 108 it could happen but I don't really want it to either um and I have I love to do this I have four kids three cats two dogs one husband <laughs> <laughs> um and none of the children live at home full-time anymore but all of the children are still on the payroll mm -hmm. so we are in that kind of like we're empty nesters but we're still broke correct uh -huh. yeah <laughs> so <laughs> that's where I'm at and um from a professional perspective I've spent um the majority of my life working in internal audit and risk management and I've, like people who don't understand what internal audit is and most people don't um and that's not a criticism it's just you know most people don't end up having to engage with internal audit or you know need to know what it is but they always think like oh you do taxes and that's not what internal Owners do. No one would want me doing their taxes. I don't even do my own taxes anymore. Um, and it's not really an accounting profession either. It's really about um, evaluating how a business runs and giving independent and objective assessment over how a business is running for a board of directors. So typically you'll find internal auditors in publicly traded companies because they're required by law to have them. Although some privately held companies and foundations, you know, nonprofits will have them, but that's a little bit of a different beast that I haven't worked in personally. So anyway, that's me. Well, you're fancy, Anne. And <laughs> you've worked in some amazing big big organizations and um you know and you don't have to say the companies you have worked for unless you want to but it's it's to me I've always looked at you as an impressive woman and um we that's very that's very kind well I speak the truth Anne <laughs> <laughs> no well it may be kind it's truth it's truth and I've always looked up to you and maybe you didn't even know that, but I'm just going to tell you right now I have. And oh. I think it's interesting because um, our, our shared passions, our shared journey through much of life and raising kids and triathlon and, and um, living our lives and, and having similarities. And I think, I think this topic today is, is really timely. And so I'm just going to back up a little bit and just, um, I think two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I don't remember you sent me a text and you said, I'm X many days sober. And we had a, a short little text exchange about why you were doing that. And you said, you know, what? I think there's a lot of uh, like there's a lot of information about sober curious and I had never actually heard that term before. 
So um, let's dive right into your journey. Share as much as you want about what you have learned um, about your dance with alcohol. So I guess first and foremost, sobriety has this stigma attached to it. Like, oh, you're sober because you were broken. Like you couldn't handle alcohol, right? As opposed to, to, no, I just realized I wasn't really getting anything positive from that experience. And so I'm choosing to be sober. Um, And one of the things that... um, started to become pretty clear to me a couple of years ago when I went through some sober curious things, uh, things, sober curious months where I wasn't really drinking and I was doing a lot of mocktails. I even made my own gin. It was terrible, but I did make it. I ordered like all the ingredients and made it and it was, it was awful. So like just, you know, fair warning, don't make your own gin. <laughs> like non-alcoholic gin, right? Um anyway, I like I, I think the term, you know, like if somebody quits smoking cigarettes, no one says, Oh, you were you were like addicted, you were broken. And that you like people are like, oh my god, that's so great, you're not smoking anymore. Cause we all know mm-hmm. nobody should be smoking. Right. But people don't say that about alcohol. No. And I think it's because we're too, because I I read 86% in the United States, 86% of those 18 years and older are having alcohol mm-hmm. at least once or more during the week. So that's a, that's pretty much like everyone you're encountering for the most part, um, uh, you know, is, is engaged with alcohol here or there. And and you see it when you go out, like it's a funny story. Um, last week, uh, my husband and I were out and I asked for a club soda and he asked for tomato juice. And he said, can I have spicy tomato juice? And the, and the bartender said, we were sitting at the bar. The bartender said, well, I have tomato water have you ever heard anyone call tomato juice, tomato water? And so he said, well, no, I don't want tomato water. Uh, apparently that that's like a regional thing in Texas. I guess tomato juice is tomato water. I don't know. I've never heard that. <laughs> no, me neither. But she then said, well, I can make you a Bloody Mary. <laughs> How do you go from, I want tomato juice to, Give me tomato juice with vodka in it. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, because of yeah. course you just want that. Um, and so it is really funny. Like <clears throat> we went to a baseball game last night, um, little minor league team here in Texas called the Round Rock Express. And they had a fourth of July thing. And so we decided we would go and watch the game, and it was fun. There was literally not one non-alcoholic option in that place except for soda which isn't great it's it's insane to me or like a bottle of water like you could go buy which I don't generally like to do because I don't like plastic bottles and all that that's like a whole nother podcast um 
And that was really frustrating for me. I'm like, but I don't want a root beer. I don't want a Coke. I don't want a Dr. Pepper. I don't want a Sprite. I want a lemonade. I just want to have like some fizzy water. Yeah. Like why? Yeah. Why is there fizzy water anywhere? Yeah. <laughs> it can. It's annoying. You know, you make a good point. And I think two things kind of came up for me while you were talking, which is number one, of course, it, it's so normalized. You can find alcohol yeah. anywhere. And number two, it's, um, you're exactly right in that it is this celebration when someone quits any other addictive substance and alcohol is addictive. Let's just call us. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And, um, there is no celebration and it, it it's kind of like when people get divorced they're like oh i'm sorry and it's like no but you don't understand like this is the best thing that's ever happened yeah like let's have a party <laughs> there's this stigma of this con this this conception and misconception around products and you're right like if someone says they're sober we immediately go to oh they have a problem and if yeah. someone says oh i'm getting a divorce it's like oh you're broken it's the same it's, it's synonymous with this brokenness. If you've chosen to do something that is kind of going a, a little bit against the grain, so to speak, that you, there's this judgment around it. Yeah. And, and, and it is so normalized, but part of the other normalization, and this is where I kind of want to speak to as a medical professional is the research still says here are the 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 World Health Organization recommended guidelines for alcohol consumption, like like dairy or bread or any other like, you know, Isn't that insane. Yeah, this is you can have you know two if you're a man, one if you're a woman a day, and that that's actually healthy. And the new research is showing that that's absolutely not the case. And, and part of it is because it's so normalized. If you go to the doctor and your doctor, you ask how many, you know, alcohol beverages you drink and you say, Oh, you know, two or three glasses of wine a week. They're like, okay, that's fine. Like there isn't this discussion any further in part, because probably all the medical professionals are drinking and they don't want to say, yeah, this isn't good for us. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. Like, um, I had, I had a conversation with, um, I guess we should, we should tell everybody who's going to listen to this. So I had can't, I had breast cancer and alcohol consumption. There's hundreds of studies mm -hmm. that link alcohol consumption, even moderate amounts right. of alcohol to cancer. Um, I, you know, do I think that alcohol consumption caused my cancer? No, actually I don't, um, because for a variety of reasons, but, um, I don't think that it helped either. You know, it probably, um, it probably contributed to it, mm -hmm. but I don't know that it was the direct cause of it. But when you look at, um, the amount of alcohol for a woman per week, that contributes to cancer, especially breast cancer. It's literally six glasses of wine a week. Right. Now, I don't know about you, but I could have two or three glasses of wine a day. 
So like that blows that number exponentially away over time. Um, so that's just, that's not a good situation. And I think a lot of people um, are consuming a lot more alcohol than they would care to admit. Most people underestimate how much alcohol they take in, just like we underestimate how much, how many calories we take in. Um, now we overestimate how much we exercise all of those things, right? Like your brain does those funny things. Um, anyway, I, you know, the, for me, I just wanted to move away from having so much alcohol in my life. And some of that also had to do with my children. So, you know, you and I have these Gen Z kids mm -hmm. and these Gen Z kids, at least in my experience from the ones that I've known, they don't like drink the way we did as Gen Xers. I mean, I don't know you, but like, yeah. It was like, we started drinking when we were like in middle school, like sneaking our parents' booze and stuff. Like it was just what kids did. Like, right. isn't that funny? And, yeah. you know, my kids were never that way mm -hmm. and still aren't. They're, they're still not, you know, um, they'll, you know, have, you know, beer at a party on, you know, on campus and all of that, but they're not, they're not drinking the way. I think Gen Xers drank. We were we were like those free range kids. We just did all the things. We right? did all the things. <laughs> we did all the things. Our mothers probably both drank and smoked while we were pregnant because that's just what they did. Yeah. You know? And and you know, it, it it and and this podcast specifically around alcohol because this whole this podcast is about all things wellness is to simply bring awareness and to bring information. People can choose to do what they're going to do and they're going to anyway, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do. But if you knew that if it, let's just say, and, and this is like kind of accurate because the new research is showing that even moderate amounts of alcohol, like what you just suggested, um, you know, 10 years ago was considered even three years ago was considered okay, acceptable, and may even prolong your health. And now the research is teasing it apart a little bit more. And they're saying, okay, wait a second. There's all these other contributing factors that may have nothing to do with alcohol. And that's what they're starting to look at. And that's, that's really the impetus here is to bring current research so people can make their own decisions. And you know what it, I went to the doctor last week and we had this conversation. Now my doctor is um a little he's he's an athlete and he's really cutting edge stuff and same kind of thing how many alcoholic drinks do you drink and anytime someone answers that you you're supposed to double it <laughs> because people underestimate <laughs> that's what I said right like everybody underestimates it. It's so true. When I was in doing my medical training they would say normalize a lot. So I would say so you have like you know five or six drinks a day. And I would say that as kind of a question. And then people would be like, oh yeah, that's about right. And then I'll be like, oh my gosh, like that's too much. Um, yeah. But you're supposed to normalize it. And I remember this conversation, this was new information for me. And then that same day you and I texted and you said, you know, you were sober and you're, you're not going to drink. And, and, and then there was something else, like three things happened in a 48 hour period that made me think, okay, this is something people need to hear. 
And when I was sitting with my doctor, he's like, no, the, the, the recommendations now are two drinks a week. And that would be considered not putting you at risk for, mm-hmm. for breast cancer. Specifically, we were talking about the results of my mammogram, which I finally did. And all you women need to go get your mammograms. And, and that's right. <laughs> And we were talking about my risk factors and he was like, well, it was normal, but you know, the risk factors are, and he, you know, family history. And we started talking about women's breast health and we circled to cancer. And he said, well, alcohol consumption is tied to breast cancer. And immediately my thoughts went to you. Not that that was causative, but that it. Right, right, right. Yeah probably contributed in some way in that when we drink, our body doesn't have the faculties to do its normal healing. And so in this conversation with my doctor, we talked about alcohol and he said, my current recommendations are on the new research that's coming out. And specifically that the old recommendations used to be, you can have this much, you know, one glass for a woman, two glasses, or, you know, a glass of wine or, or whiskey or whatever, you know, the equivalent of yeah one unit of alcohol. Right. I think. Yeah, exactly. A unit. We'll talk in units, even though whatever. Okay. So we're talking in units. And so he said, what the new research is showing is that it's not necessarily the alcohol, but think about the times that you have alcohol. And this really is what I was thinking about today and talking about leading up to this, this chat was when do we drink? We drink at weddings, at parties, at holidays, um, baby showers, baby showers, play dates, right? Well, there you go. Exactly. Now you're, I mean like really, yeah. So you, you know, what I was thinking of was that we do this in times of celebrations and you were kind of more in the, you know, this happens every single day and both are true. But the idea, even the name happy hour, it has this connotation that, you know, we drink when we are in connection and communion with people. Mm -hmm. We drink at events that we drink after work when we're like, whoo, the day's done. I'm ready to relax. We drink on the weekends when, you know, you have time, you drink with your friends when you're getting together or, you know, those play dates, like you mentioned, or showers or weddings but is it really the alcohol that's leading to longevity or is it the connection that we have with people? Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, I want to go back like 60 seconds. You'd said something about alcohol. Um, basically it delays our body's healing properties. Mm-hmm. There's something to that effect that you yeah. said. And one of the things that I did not realize until I started becoming more sober curious is that, you know, your liver is eliminating toxins from your body, right? So say you're using some um, harmful chemical cleaner, maybe you're painting, you know, any kind of a toxin that might get into your body and your body knows how to get rid of it and your liver processes that. Well, if you introduce alcoholic beverages into your system, those go to the front of the line. Mm -hmm. And so your body has to clear out 
all that alcohol. And it takes three to four days to remove alcohol from your system. And so all of those other toxins in your environment are waiting to get removed and oftentimes don't. And that's one of the reasons why alcohol is associated with increased risk of cancer, because it's not so much that alcohol gives you cancer, is that alcohol is impairing your body's ability to remove toxins from your body. And those toxins are contributing to your cancer, among other things, like I, I have genetic risk factors as well, but I think that's really important. And I just took us off of the topic of like, socializing and being in communion with people. And so for me, I think everyone listening to this should do this. Pick like an event that you're going to go to where you know everyone's going to be drinking and just don't drink and observe everyone around you and it will be revelatory. You make people uncomfortable when you choose not to. Well, yes, that is true. But also you start to see what people are like when they're drinking and it reinforces to you. I probably shouldn't do that. Well, you know what? And that brings me to another topic, which is how our brains actually perform in the presence of alcohol. So if we think about our brain as being like three parts, like we have the, the, the old brain, like the, the reptilian brain, right? Like our lizard brain, that's like yeah. impulses and, and just basic base needs and wants and desires. Your then hedonistic brain, right? Correct. Yeah. And then we yeah. have the midbrain, which is more of our emotions and um, where we have emotional regulation. And then we have the, the frontal cortex, which is our seat of logic and reasoning. Generally speaking. Yeah. The frontal cortex is the, the stop gate. It's, it's the part of the brain that says, you know what, that's not a good idea. Maybe we shouldn't do that. It, it, it helps you logically approach life. And when you're not drinking the prefrontal cortex takes the lead yep. in decision-making yep. when in the presence of alcohol, it actually flips. So now what's driving the bus is your reptilian lizard brain followed by your emotional brain followed trailing behind is the brain that actually is reason and logic. And that's mm -hmm. why you see a lot of people make really dumb decisions when they drink, because they're not thinking with the thinking part of their brain. They're thinking with the base uh, part of their brain, which is, is the old part, you know, it's, yeah. it's instinctual. It's, it's, um, drives desires. And then you've got the, you know, you lose all sorts of emotional regulation and, you know, people either pick a fight or start crying. It's because they, <laughs> that part of their, yeah. well, cause you know, like you, you drink alcohol and you get that dopamine response and your brain says, this is amazing. And oftentimes like, this is better than sex. We should do more of this. And so then you have more alcohol. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, that whole depressant thing comes in and now your unconscious brain, that reptilian brain is starting to like drive all of your decision-making. And so ironically, your brain is doing exactly what it's programmed to do. Mm -hmm. it, it wants more of that. And it's telling you to go get more of that, but it's actually giving you worse outcomes. 
For sure. And that's, that's the driving force of many addictions. Well, all addictions is based on dopamine. And, yes. yeah. and, and ironically, the more you drink, actually alcohol suppresses dopamine. And so then you feel sad, you feel, um, not, you know, something that you don't want to feel. So you drink to feel good again, but yet it's this, it's this ongoing, unfortunate, uh, downward spiral where the more you drink, the more you want to drink. And it actually continues to worsen, worsen, worsen your mood because alcohol is a depressant, even though initially you get that spike of dopamine and that's the heart of all addictions. And which kind of brings me to another point, which is why are people drinking in the first place? Now, if we go to the whole celebration we're together and, you know, that may be more the key to the earlier research that would tie alcohol to longevity, but it could also be that the people who are drinking moderately exercise, they eat well, they have stress reduction techniques, and that's actually contributing to longevity. And it's not the, um, the alcohol in and of itself that's doing anything. And it's also when we think about why people drink. And this is where, you know, kind of stepping into my world a little more, which is not wanting to feel something. And that's the heart of any addiction is you want to escape the feeling that you're feeling. You want to feel something different. You want to not feel anxious. Yeah. And, and I think that's the hardest part is understanding the root cause for why you're doing that. And, and I, I don't think most people know that root cause, like that takes a lot of work to figure out like, well, why do I have like unresolved trauma or is it just that I'm bored? Is it, you know, like it could be a million different reasons why someone moves into an addictive um, behavior with alcohol. Um, and, and certainly God bless anybody who can only have a drink or two a week. I'm, I don't know. I've never met you. <laughs> I know you're out there, but I've never met you. Most people I know, um, you know, they're having, they have a daily drink. Like that's kind of a normal thing. Like we're going to, we have, you know, wine with dinner every night or, you know, there's an after work drink or a cocktail before bed or whatever. Like most people I know have that going on. And I think a lot of that comes from addiction, but there's also a large swath of people out there who are drinking because there's something else going on, some unresolved psychological, emotional underlying thing happening. And you really have to figure out what that is you know, in order to really stop the addiction, you know, I mean, you can like muscle your way through it, but I don't think it lasts for that long unless you like really do the hard work. I'm laughing because you can see my cat has attacked. I see your kitty on the couch. He's having a little tussle with this blanket. <laughs> yeah. She's it's like, she's nesting, but she's not pregnant. She just is nesting. <laughs> That is so funny. It's, it looks like you've got the haunted blanket because <laughs> the blanket moving. Oh my goodness. Yeah. She's funny. She's, you know, she's, she's 
settling down. She's like, all right, the covers are just right. Yeah. She was angry with me because I wouldn't let her jump up on my lap. (laughs) She went over there. She's not happy. Well, she looks happy now. She's happy. Anyway. I think it's, so I think part of it is, again, this isn't to say everyone needs to stop drinking. This is to bring awareness and say, number one, what is the current research? And, you know, if we were to really boil alcohol down to, to what it does in the body, it has absolutely no redeeming qualities in that it really is an insult to your body. It's like, it's it's like taking a slug in the face and waiting for the bruise to appear and then being like, oh, okay, that hurt. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what it does to your liver and your and and your DNA. Again, new research is is kind of highlighting that it actually impairs you on a cellular level. It actually damages your DNA, which when you say it like that, like people are like, why would I do that? Like, why would I choose to knowingly take something that's going to harm me on a cellular level yeah yeah you know potentially raising risk of heart disease and high blood pressure and cancer risk I mean there's so many things and we all know this but I think part of part of what I really want to bring to light and and it's through your shared story of of I'm going to curiously step into the toe of sobriety and see what this is all about and I think that that is an awesome challenge for all of us to say, well, what would it be like? And how could my life improve if I drank less than what I do? Or, oh, the number's not one a day. The number's actually more like two a week in order for me not to to have risk factors and to allow my liver to ah, do the you know job of healing and cleansing my body. To yeah. So, you know, I like how you're saying like, this is, you know, no judgment zone um, and giving, um, helping to drive awareness around alcohol and just looking at it very objectively, right? Like, huh, like what benefit am I getting from having that glass of wine or what benefit am I getting from having that old fashioned um besides like the instant like oh that tastes good (laughs) you know but like what what is it really doing for my body that is helpful and if you think about it objectively it's not doing anything that's helpful for your body and it's more um you know negative than anything else but not everybody needs to be stone cold sober um, you could go from, you know, having two, three glasses of wine a night to say, okay, I'm just going to have one or two right? and just start to cut back over time. I mean, exactly. anything is better right. than, than, you know, the former, um, and you know, it's like anything I read once about, um, people who were trying to quit smoking and you know they'd last a week or a month or two and then something would happen they'd start smoking again and i read um this article where it said every time you fail you get closer to being permanently rid of cigarettes because it just takes time you you do three steps forward two steps back over time 
And it just makes sense. And that's, that's true. I think with alcohol too. Now I've gone about a month now where I haven't had any, and I don't really have a desire to have any, but you know, I'll, I'll tell you in like another 30 days, maybe there'll be a day where I'm like, oh my God, I have to have a glass of wine. And just because you do that. And let's just say that, like, I think that, and that's, that's where, again, I think there becomes a lot and, and treating people who have addiction. Sometimes the hardest part is like, like you said, I've never met someone who cannot. And there are people who absolutely cannot, and they, they cannot stop at one. And that for a variety of reasons, those people need to, to not ever consider moderation because they're genetically set up to just not be able to be successful to do that. Like there are people and I've met them and I've worked with them who absolutely cannot even go there. And I a hundred percent understand that. Yeah. Cause you know, like if I'm going to have a glass of wine, I'm going to drink the whole bottle. Exactly. And there are but like, I'm just not going to have that glass of wine. Cause I know it's just not going to end well for me. Exactly. Yeah. But again, kind of just bring more awareness. I think the whole idea was to say, you know what, just to let people understand that the, the research that we've, you and I've grown up with, and maybe our kids, we started with this, you know, also about our children, about they, they kind of approach it differently. And maybe they know these things and we didn't know they know, but I think part of it is as the research gets better and we have more knowledge, we're actually kind of moving away from here's what we used to recommend. It's kind of like the food pyramid again, kind of going back to that. It used to be like the base was all this bread. And now it's like, well, maybe that's not the healthiest, you know, like more fruits and vegetables and less like starches. And, and again, not to be too political about this, but you know, there's a lot of big companies that drive the reasons we have pyramids, the way they're written and alcohol consumption recommendations, because people profit from that. And yeah, I mean, there's a massive, um, you know, alcohol industry out there that is trying to get people to drink over and over and over again. You know, it's sort of like what the cigarette industry did with women is they said, it'll you help know, you lose weight. what it'll help you lose weight. Like that was a big thing. Oh, no. Well, initially um, it was because um, they told women it would be, this was during the suffragist movement. Mm-hmm. And so they were telling women, if you smoke, it's, it's, it's basically like giving the finger to everybody in society. Like, look at me, I can do whatever I want to do. Mm. I can smoke. And so it turned it into this like kind of cool thing. And like, look how independent I am. And like, I'm going to smash the patriarchy with this cigarette. Right. <laughs> Which is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that was how the advertising worked. And it's the same thing with alcohol you know, and and you see it like, um, you know, go to a Target or a Walmart. I guarantee you, if you walk into a Target or a Walmart today, you will go into like the baby section and there'll be a onesie that says, mommy, I'm the reason why mommy drinks. Or mommy needs, you know, mommy needs, and it'll be like a glass of wine underneath. And it's like all a big joke. Like, oh, isn't that so funny? Like you've got kids, you you need a drink. Like it's all around us. Yeah. it's everywhere yeah. 
and kids are hard. I have four of them. <laughs> you know, you have, you have, a, you got a whole, <laughs> you got six. Castle of children, right? But it's, but they also watch you. And I think I take that, I, I, you know, I, I don't ever want to be presenting myself in a way that makes my question, my children go, I don't know who that woman is. You know, <laughs> you, there's this part of you too, as a parent, that's like, you, you really want to try to be an example, you know, of, of goodness. And I've got two companies now that are based on health and wellness. And, you know, if I'm going to exercise every day and, and make my own kombucha and help women, you know, pull off the layers of, of loving themselves, then I have to also take a look at how am I living my life? And, you know, I probably would drink three or four glasses of wine and maybe a cocktail a week, you know, which isn't a lot and certainly falls within the, what was the given standards. But now that that dial has been moved, the standard has been moved. The go post is now not where I thought it was. It's, it's a little closer. I'm like, oh, so then the number actually, if you're going to be safe and live within that realm of wellness needs to be less than that. And yeah. that, that is new information for me. And I, I just thought, wow, you know what? I like having a goal. Maybe it's the athlete in me, but you know, tell me the interval I got to run and I'll run it. Yeah. Tell me, tell me the pace I need to hit. Okay, cool. You know, now that you've given me the number, the number is two. Don't drink more than twice a week and, and not like have like eight or 10 in that sitting, like one glass <laughs> twice a week. Yeah. You know, it's all of a sudden like, oh, so that that's not going to hurt my health and wellness. And again, if you're, if you're drinking a lot more than that, if you just pull back a little bit, you're going to see improvements in your health and wellness a hundred percent. So I also think like, don't make it about the alcohol mm -hmm. because like going back to your point about happy hour, baby yeah. showers, weddings, getting together with friends on the weekend to go see a game yeah, and there's all the tailgating and like on and on and on. Like everything is always involving alcohol. Uh, I mean, don't even get me started about the corporate work environment. Well, everything. You I used I used to work for Nike. Oh my goodness, it's such an alcohol centric culture. I mean, really, like there's so much alcohol flowing around that campus. I mean, there's a bar on campus. There's two, actually there's multiple bars on campus. On the work campus. On the work campus. Yeah. And it's just like this expected thing. Like, oh, there's a big event, you know, there's going to be this happy hour and everybody's out there like swirling and everything. And my point is think instead about like, how do I have fun and laugh without alcohol? Because you are able to do that, you know, um, you don't need alcohol to be happy. You don't need alcohol to celebrate something, Absolutely. you know, it's, and I think we forget that because we're just so used to, well, that's just what we do. Right. You know? Exactly. And, and, and here's the challenge. What if that's not what we do and getting underneath it even further, which is 
why are you why are you like let's celebrate the fact that we are getting together with people that we love and we're just going to have a glass of tea like why why isn't that normalized like it's so interesting it is interesting you know that 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 is the go to and now i mean i think all of us have been touched by alcohol in our lives in in a negative way where there's been you know, tragedy and trauma, um, with addictions and, and, you know, it, it, it definitely has the capacity and the ability to destroy families. And so, I mean, there's obviously that whole arm of things, but I think for the topic of today, it's really just to really move into this sober curious and to really explore the idea of why, why do we feel it necessary and experiment with not doing it experiment with feeling those feelings experiment with what does it feel like to say no i'm gonna have a fizzy water (laughs) yeah you know for me um i um because alcohol is so closely associated with that witching hour after work and and so anywhere between because of course pandemic 5 p.m typically is happening at home working from home um but the witching hour for me is anywhere between like 5 p.m and 8 p.m it's like that three hour period so i had to consciously come up with okay i need something else to do during that time frame absolutely and like going off and reading a book that can work for some people that felt like a little isolating because I wanted to still be in the room with my husband who generally tends to make dinner. And so what I started doing was jigsaw puzzles. So I would, I always have a jigsaw puzzle out and, you know, pass by that work on that after work, he's making dinner. I'm working the jigsaw puzzle and we're just talking and it distracts me where I don't, I'm not thinking about like, Oh, I go, I need to go have, a glass of wine. And so everybody has to kind of come up on their own with like, maybe for some people, it's like, I'm going to go do yoga yep. for an hour. Um, I'm going to go meditate for a little while. Um, I wouldn't say meditate for an hour right out of the bat. Cause you can't meditate for an hour. If you've never meditated before you want to die, <laughs> yeah. I could totally do it now, <laughs> but like initially like go meditate for five, 10 minutes with like headspace or calm or you know, any of those Peloton has good meditation. Um, if you have the Peloton app, um, but I think like, you've got to find, you know, one thing I did during cancer recovery was those adult coloring books. Oh my Lord. Aren't those the best? I've never like, seen get, them. Anne. Oh, they're great. And you can get them with expletives. So you can color <laughs> in them like rainbow colors, F-U-C-K, <laughs> rainbows and stuff. <laughs> oh, you. Those of you who don't know Anne know that that is so Anne. <laughs> That's so Anne. You're thinking of um, color books. I'm thinking mandalas and sacred geometry. And you're like taking it to the gutter. Oh, no. Yeah. You <laughs> just get the trashy adult coloring books. <laughs> Um, or like journaling, journaling is great. Journaling is kind of up my alley, you know, and those are great suggestions. And I think that, um, this is a a wonderful way to sort of like wrap up and kind of tie this into a bow, which is 
really to, to get underneath the why. And, and part of the work I do with women is help them connect to themselves. I help them find their center. And often we're reaching for a glass of wine because we don't have our center. We don't know center. We don't know what center feels like. And all the things that you just described are actually ways to connect you to yourself. They help you get through that uncomfortable feeling of the witching hour of now, what do I do? I don't have any work to do. And I normally would reach for a glass of wine or a cocktail, an old fashioned or something. And now I got to fill in this space and I am having these uncomfortable emotions and everything that you just recommended are things that I actually help teach women, which is how do I connect to myself? And maybe you go into nature, you journal, you, um, meditate, you do a puzzle. All of those things are very mindful based activities, which help you find center and when we are connected to who we are, we are so less in need of wanting to distract us because getting comfortable and loving who you are and finding this lovely person inside of you is a pretty wonderful trip to take. I agree. I agree. Bake cookies for your neighbor. Bake cookies for your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> or banana bread. We did that yesterday. <laughs> and here we are back to banana. We started with banana. <laughs> with banana. It's all about bananas. It it is. It's the it's I think that's what you should call this podcast. It's all about bananas. And it's just see, bananas. people will show up. Like, what are you talking about? Awesome. It's all about bananas. That makes people curious. And then they'll become sober curious. Perfect. Awesome. And thank you so much for coming. As always, it's delightful to see you and chat with you and see your kitty cat curled on the back of your couch there. Oh my goodness. Thank you for asking me. I love you so much. You're such a good friend. I love you, dear. I will chat with you soon and um, you take good care of yourself and stay cool out there in Texas drinking your tomato water. Oh my goodness. <laughs>